All right. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. So, so I'll stand and have a quick word of prayer. Oh, gracious Father, Lord. Sunday school class, Father, we're asking that you would come in and anoint my mind and my my lips, Father, that I could say something that would be from you, Lord, and that you could take these notes that I have and that you would be in it and that the people could feed on it and, and, and be encouraged, Lord, and and be be uh, give gain strength, Father, to face the, the day, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, while we're standing, go ahead and read a um, a, uh, a scripture. Um, I want to go to um, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 22. Um, I'm going to continue on from the thought that I had, I guess it was last week. Too many weeks, or maybe it was the week before. Um, the, the, I had a title of Conquering the Heart. We were looking at the book of Deuteronomy, um, and I'm going to just read a, a brief passage, and then I'm going to kind of do a quick recap on the things that I wanted to pick up going forward. Uh, so it says here in Deuteronomy, chap- Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22, it says, um, The Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little, Thou mayest not consume them, consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. And um, y'all can be seated. That's what we're, we'll pick that up in a little bit. Um, so just a quick recap from last time. Um, we had discussed how um, scholars have found that the book of Deuteronomy follows a certain kind of pattern, um, like after what they call a covenant treaty. And we talked about how that the book of Deuteronomy um, can be looked at as a uh, God's covenant with, as a, as a treaty, the Lord writing a treaty with a lesser people um, to, as, a, as the Lord would protect them and they would serve the Lord. And um, I don't want to get too far into that, but it was just of note that, to me, that this covenant was not given to Israel until after they had left Egypt and once they were in the wilderness, um, following that type, that pattern, because under that treaty system, you couldn't have a Lord issue a treaty as long as they were already serving a different Lord. Okay. So that, that, so here was God was not going to declare himself unto Israel as the, as a Lord, like he wasn't, he couldn't really be preeminent to Israel until they were out of Egypt, right? They had to be delivered through, you know, as, as we'll pick up here in a little bit, as a type of, of justification. And then once they're free from their bonds, they go into the, into the desert and are sanctified, you know, they're given the law for process of sanctification as they're in the, in the, in the uh, wilderness. And ultimately, as they enter the promised land as a type of the um, new birth, um, which uh, we also covered. Um, and so I, I just want to reemphasize that, that as, you know, that the, the process of conquering Canaan is, uh, which I'm going to read a quote here in a minute, 
is a, a, a type to us of the Christian entering into the new birth and the work that takes place after the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Okay. But it doesn't just, you know, you don't get, you know, bopped on the head with a magic wand and suddenly you have no more trials and tribulations and no more struggles. It's you, your fight doesn't start till you get the new birth, right? And then, then you got to fight. Okay. So um, it says here, this is from... Um, uh, questions and answers in, uh, in 1959. It says, um, Canaan is not a type of millennium because they had wars, fightings, killings, and everything else in Canaan. Canaan is a type of the Holy Ghost. Egypt is the world that they come out of. The wilderness is where they were sanctified, called out church. Canaan is where they settled down with the Holy Spirit because they still had wars. And if you don't believe you have wars, just get the Holy Spirit once. Um, what are you doing? What do you, uh, what do you do in Canaan? They were possessing their rights, glory. They were possessing their rights and they could not possess their rights till they got into Canaan. They didn't own nothing in the wilderness. Um, then when they come into Canaan, then they had rights and we've got rights. When you receive the Holy ghost, you're in Canaan. You have to fight for it. Every inch of ground, you have to fight for it. Yes, sir. That's the reason people say brother Branham, um, you pray for me today. Um, it says, uh, get over in Canaan once, brother, and you realize where you belong. Watch prayer start being turned around. Yes, sir. You say, look here, Satan. This is mine. I'm possessor of this. God said so. Move out. That's right. Move off my ground. Amen. Um, your ground, Satan says. I have an abstract deed to it. Move out. You don't, I'll serve notice on you by the Holy Spirit's guidance. Uh, he moves out, sure, he has to. Okay, so, you know, this is, I, I you know, that kind of quote is going to kind of keep that in your mind because it's kind of encapsulating what I want to be looking at as we move forward a little bit. And it's this, it's a, it's a continual fight that, um, you know, that you, you know, you can have the Holy Spirit come in and yet, there's still things in your in your spirit in your life that you have to overcome Amen. that it's a process of redemption um, <clears throat> I also and that's just sort of recap from last time I want to I want to pick up again where we talked in in Galatians chapter 4 keep an eye on the time here it says um, tell me ye that desire to be under the law do ye not hear the law for it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise, which things are an allegory. For these are the two covenants, the one from the Mount Sinai, which gendereth the bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answereth to, Jer and answereth to Jerusalem, which now is, and is bondage with her children." But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? 
cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We created a, or, or showed a, a, a comparison um, between Sinai and Jerusalem, um, and, and indicating that, you know, here you have the children of Ishmael are possessors of Sinai, while the children of, of Isaac and further Jacob, who is Israel, possessors of Jerusalem. And so that here you have different areas that they are heir to different pieces of territory, and that it, it's an indication of sort of the relationship that they would have with God, right? You have the children of Ishmael who are, their relationship with God is through Sinai and the law. And here you have um, Israel whose relationship is, is, is signified by Jerusalem and everything that comes with that, right? Which is ultimately where Christ would come and, become, and be crucified, right? It's the seat of, um, which I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and jump to that now, um, so uh, in just something of note, um, where you have, um, you know, talking about that the, uh, they're, they're heirs of Jerusalem, right? That we, spiritually speaking, are heirs of Jerusalem. Um, one of the things that, just to, to bear in mind, is that if you remember in, um, I believe it's Genesis 14, um, pull it up here. Uh, yeah, Genesis 14 and verse 18, where it's talking about Abraham meeting Melchizedek. Now it goes through um, and talks about how, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. So where it says king of Salem, that translates as king of peace. However, many, many, if you read Strong's, it actually has a note there that says um, most Hebrew commentators translate that as Jerusalem. So he's both the king of peace and the king of Jerusalem. Okay? So the seat of Melchizedek is in Jerusalem. He's the, he's the king of Jerusalem. Right? So, you know, when it's talking about the heir, you know, the, the, it's an indication that, the, that in order for the people of Israel to be under their king, they have to be in the promised land right? That's, that's Melchizedek's domain, okay? And likewise, for a Christian to be under their king's domain, you have to be in that promised land, in, in our spiritual promised land, okay? Um, man, my recap is taking longer than I anticipated. Um, all right, and, then, and so we'll just, we'll just skip some of that for the sake of time. Um, now, so once they get it, once we get into uh, into the promised land, right? They they come forward, they they enter the promised land. They the the people recognize that there's giants in the land and are are terrified at first, and they eventually come back around. and And it takes a, a certain anointing to recognize that even though there are things in the promised land that you as a as an individual would have no ability to overcome on your own. Absolutely no ability to over, overcome. And you have to recognize that it's not you who's doing the work. It would be the Lord going before you, you know, de- bringing deliverance as you, as you go, right? Likewise, you know, you have people who are living under a sanctification, constantly trying to do it themselves. 
accord, and every time they run into a problem, are going, oh, Moses, we should have just stayed in Egypt, right? Every, you know, people in, in, in the wilderness, you know, people who are living under varying degrees of sanctification, so many times, you know, they're just trying to live up to a law, and the moment they, they have a failure, the moment they have a, a, a hiccup, the moment that something doesn't go their way, oh, I never should have even bothered with this whole Christianity thing in the first place, right? And then off they go back to Egypt, Okay. But it takes a certain kind of anointing to go to recognize that, yeah, there are things within us that, that we cannot overcome. They are giants. that they, we, we can't overcome it on our own, but it's the Lord bringing a work of, of deliverance in our lives on our behalf. Um, and so they possess the land, and um, I just want to take some time and, and talk a little bit about um, the, the different struggles that they had once they get into the promised land. Um, you know, we talked about um, uh, Jericho, right? First thing, you know, they have a, a great uh, moment of deliverance. And yet, within the children of Israel, somebody hung on to that, that piece of gold, that, that garment, that thing of the stronghold, that remnant of the stronghold that God had delivered them from was still with them. And so the next, the next time they went to go take something else, they failed, right? That the, that the Lord wouldn't deliver them. He's not going to bring deliverance until you truly conquer the, the previous stronghold, right? And, and so, so many times Christians want to, we want to move on to our next battle without really establishing and, and, and truly eliminating that thing that was, that was uh, you know, the Lord was trying to get us to overcome in the first place. And so then later on, this is in Jap- uh, I really want to bring an emphasis to a particular story. And this is from Joshua chapter 11 um, and verse 1. And it says, And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, had heard those things that he sent to Jobab, king of uh, Madon, and the king of uh, Shimron and the king of um, Ashef and the kings that were in the north of the mountains and the plains south of Shanaroth in the valley of the borders of Dor on the west and the Canaanites on the east and on the west and to the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Jebusites in the mountains and to the Hivites under Hermon in the land of Mizpah and they went out they and all their host with them, much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with horses and chariots, very many. And when all these kings were met together, they came and pitched together in the waters of Meram to fight against Israel. So here we have this situation, you know, Israel is, is at this point has taken a lot of land, they're, they're doing great, right? Different, you know, every... Uh, every battle they come upon, come across, they just they just wipe out the their enemies. They're conquering. They're doing great. Everything's awesome. They're really growing, right? You got the new Christian who's got this big move of deliverance, overthrowing strongholds of the enemy, really overcoming, throwing things out of their life. It's great. And then there comes a moment when all these other things seem to unite against them, Amen. right? The devil's not going to be passive. You know, in your in your Christian experience, in your process of redemption, as you overcome these strongholds in your life, and we all have them. We're all overcoming strongholds. You don't stop overcoming strongholds. 
There's two times people will stop overcoming strongholds in their life. One is when they backslide. And two is when you get raptured. And we ain't raptured yet. So keep fighting. There's a, but there's this, this moment. So people, sometimes it seems like, you know, you're, you're trying to overcome and yet there'll be a whole host of things will come against you. You know, it's, it's never going to be one thing at a time. It seems like it's always going to be your temper is going to get the better of you when everything else is (laughs) right. You know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a whole, you know, string of things, a whole a combination of things that's always going to come against you. And so um, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hew their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua came and all the people of war with him against them by the waters of Muram suddenly, and they fell upon them. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel and smote them and chased them uh, unto great Zion, unto uh, Misrafothamim. I don't know how to say that. And unto the valley of Mizpah eastward. And they smote them until they um, left them none remaining. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. He hewed their horses and burnt their chariots with fire. Great victory. Awesome. It's a very fine mustache you have there, sir. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the so there's here's a story right you have this this king Jabin wiped out all of his people's slaughtered and I like to point out that it took special emphasis that the Lord said that he would they would chop up their horses and burn their chariots yeah. right that this is the the great power that the people were afraid of these chariots right well. If we skip down, right, process of time, Joshua goes off the scene, you know, everything's kind of falling apart because the people, the children of Israel, don't listen to the commandments they had to keep the commandment, to keep their, you know, just because, you know, like Brother Matt was talking about on Wednesday, just because you have this new birth doesn't mean you get to just ignore all the fruits of the Spirit, right? Just because you, you're now you know, entering into the Holy Ghost, because you're this Holy Ghost-filled Christian, you know, born-again Christian, you get to just ignore all of these commandments, you know, to, to be on top of things and, 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 and to be, you know, have your, your spirit under subjection. And so it says in Judges chapter 4, this is after Joshua's gone, it says, And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan. Wait a minute. I thought Joshua killed him. Right? Um, and the Lord sold him into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, that reigned in Hazor, the captain of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Harosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and 20 years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And so here's these the children of Israel had been delivered of something that the something came against them early on that Joshua wiped out, burnt their chariots with fire, and because the people did not hold to their standard, they let down the bars, they did evil in the sight of the Lord, they started looking to other things outside of God. 
something that they had deliverance of early on came back and oppressed them for 20 years. Amen. Right? And so many times when you have new Christians, they will get delivered of something early on. And if they do not do, you know, stick to the word, just really keep that thing under subjection, it'll come back and it'll get them again. And it'll, it's not going to go away so easy this time. And that, that chariot that you burnt with fire the first time is going to come back as iron and you can't burn it this time around. The Lord will grant, grant deliverance. I mean, he does. I mean, you know, we keep reading the story. He did grant them deliverance. You're just going to have to suffer a lot more this time around, right? It's whatever you do, hang on, you know, hold on to your victories. Don't let those old strongholds pop back up because they're not going to go away so easy the second time around. Um, and I, I, I don't have a lot of time left. Um, so it says, uh, you know, and so just kind of skipping over the judges a little bit, I had, I had thought to spend a little more time on it, but we have, um, you know, we have a lot of, uh, you know, things throughout the judges, you know, we have, um, it's this, but it's this kind of a, a, a process where people will, they, they would, they would, have victory, and then they would have defeat. And then the Lord would grant them victory. You know, someone would rise up and, and overcome the things that had them bound. And then they go on, and then something else will come along and bind them. Yeah. And then, it, you know, they have to struggle with that for a little while. And then they, they get, uh, you know, the Lord will speak to somebody else and will raise up and, and, and overcome. And that's oftentimes how Christians are. You know, you, you overcome, and then there's a moment where, you know, something, you know, you just won't overcome. You know, there's something that you just can't overcome, and it's going to take the word of the Lord speaking to you, and you, you hearing that word of deliverance, and then rising up and, and casting it down. Sometimes it's going to take, you know, it, it takes a moment where you have to, to recognize yourself as Shamgar, and grab your ox goat, and just go deal with the devil sometimes. But then don't get complacent, and stop conquering strongholds because every you know the minute that somebody overcomes something it's it just i mean maybe maybe this is just me um maybe y'all don't deal with this but it feels like you overcome something and then it's you know you're doing great and then it's almost like oh i can relax now no you can't because the minute that you do that is when you're going to get sucked into something else and you're going to get tied up in something else. You have to be always pressing even though it's tiring even though you want to just stop you know it and it and Furthermore, you know, it talks about early on in the book of, um, of Joshua and Deuteronomy when it's talking about that, how the people would come in and start taking the land. It says, you know, once you've conquered the land, your inheritance, great, go help your brother conquer his. <laughs> so if you have overcome something and you, don't have, you can't think of anything else to overcome, pray for your brother. <laughs> He's got something to overcome. That doesn't mean you throw him under the bus. It means you uplift him and, and pray for him. You know, whoever, you know, Whatever it is, there's always, there's always a devil to keep fighting. The minute that we get complacent and, and act like we don't have something to be overcoming is the minute that we get cold and we're exactly where the devil wants us to be. Um, so, um, I, you know, that's, and, and, you know, this is exactly in this time, it seemed if you look at it from the outside, and oftentimes it seemed like a messy process where these people had to fail so often to get, just to get some victory, right? They, you know, ideally we wouldn't. We, we wouldn't be failing all the time, but we do. And 
even though it's a, it's a process, it's God's process, right? Even though it seems, you know, it's a, it's a little by little overcoming, even though it's a process in which we fail, and so many, from the outside, from, you know, sort of a human perspective, you would think, oh, well, this isn't the way to do this. This is a bad way of doing things. But it's the way God wanted it to be because ultimately it's God's people relying on him directly for deliverance. It's a constant relationship directly between the people and God that's bringing about, you know, ultimately this is always about us, right? It's always about our heart and about conquering the strongholds within us to, to where we can overcome. And um, I guess that's where I'm going to have to end it for today. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll stand and have a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from you, Lord. Maybe you could take something that I've said and anoint it and that the people could feed from it and, and you'd give them a little bit of encouragement, Lord. Father, we know that it's a dark time that we'd be discouraged. It would be a time of, of distraction and discouragement, Lord, but help us, Father, to always stay focused and always stay motivated and always stay on the move, Lord, always moving with what your Holy Spirit would have us do. Father, we commit the people into your hands and into the and into the uh, remainder of the service, Lord, we ask that you would come in and, and uh, be blessed with the, the worship service, Lord, that you would be pleased to come down and speak to us in the, in the preaching to follow. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.